Hello, I'm Brad Riley, and you're listening to Forming the Spirit Within, a podcast where you'll find such things as in-depth Bible studies, some classes I teach on a variety of spiritual matters, as well as some conversations I want to have with you and others along the way, all of which I hope will inspire you to a deeper life in Jesus Christ. In his second Corinthian letter, St. Paul the Apostle described our lives as a process of transformation that comes to us by looking full into the face of Jesus And as we behold His glory, we are transformed into His glorious likeness in ever-increasing measure. What an amazing thought, that we can be transformed into the very glory of Jesus. That is my prayer for you, that in some small way this podcast will help you in your transformation from glory into even greater glory, as Christ forms His Spirit within you. I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast and not only listen, but join in on the conversation with a question or a comment. Thanks so much for listening, and may the Lord be with you. Well, it is 11 a.m. on Thursday, April the 9th, and we are still in this time of uh, seclusion, stay-at-home, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, with this coronavirus. And uh, so we're meeting Bible study online, and I'm so glad last week that some of you all popped in. And I know this is the type of thing that people pop in in and out and can't necessarily devote their whole time to. But if you can, great to have you here. Uh, and if not, then those some of you will be able to watch it later because it's recorded. So hello to all you that will be watching it a little later um, as it's recorded. Uh, great to have you join us. Hi, Sue. It's great to have you joining us. Uh, we're going to begin a brand new study today <clears throat> with the Gospel of Luke. So a couple of things that I'm going to, I'm going to talk a, a lot about overview. Those of you who've been in my Bible studies before know that the very first week is not in necessarily in the scripture, but it's a lot of overview themes of the book, what to look for as we uh, work our way through the study. And uh, so thank you for being here today and this morning. And uh, maybe <clears throat> I apologize for my voice. I've been struggling with a sinus infection for about... Well, it happened started a little bit after last week's uh, broadcast and uh, <clears throat> been struggling with it ever since. So uh, if, I, if I have to blow my nose, I apologize. I'll do it as discreetly as possible. I have my Kleenexes here and I have my trusty cup of coffee. Uh, today's is Southern Pecan. Delicious. And of course, a big glass of water. So feel free to grab the beverage of your choice and a pencil and a paper, and let's get started. <clears throat> Before we actually study scripture today, I, I want to uh, introduce you last week to a prayer card that is a prayer for the study before scripture that we adopted in our Bible study and, and sent a couple of them out by email. If you have yours with you, um, go ahead and get it out. And if you don't have it, just listen and pray along in your spirit. Uh, this, is a, this is a beautiful prayer. And if you still want one, send me your email, uh, drop a line to me, info at bradreillyministries.org. I'll be glad to email you out a card, and uh, you can print it off and keep it in your Bible. But until then, uh, just listen and follow along. If you have it, let's, uh, let's ask the Lord's blessing on this time of study. Illumine our hearts, O Master, lover of all humanity with the pure light of your divine knowledge. Open the eyes of our hearts that we may understand your gospel teachings. 
Implant deep within us the fear of your blessed commandments, that through them we may conquer all carnal desires and may be transformed to live both thinking and doing the things that are pleasing to you. For you, O Lord, are the light of our souls and bodies, and unto you we give all glory and praise together with our Father, who is from everlasting and the all-holy good and life-creating Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Thank you for praying that with me. It's not quite the same being able to hear your voices, but I know some of you regulars are out there praying that along, and it's such a beautiful thing. <clears throat> I apologize. I'll probably take more drinks than usual because of my voice and my throat. So uh, as we begin with the study of the Gospel of Luke today, uh, let's, let's take just a moment to just settle ourselves and see what we're what we're all doing. And I want to invite you, if you're online watching right now, feel free to type a question or make a comment. Um, I will try and read them as we go. I see a couple more people have popped in. Debbie and Rhonda and Sandy, thank you all for joining us. Uh, but if you, if you have a question, anything I say that prompts a question or a thought that you really want to make, pop it on the screen there. Just type it in and, uh, and I'll be able to read them. I'll try to read them. Uh, but if I miss any of them, which I'm sure I probably will, I will definitely on the re, as I look over the, uh, the video on the rebroadcast, I'll answer them all. So be sure, be assured your question will get answered. Even if it doesn't get answered live, it'll get answered right after the broadcast. So thanks for popping in. <clears throat> I chose the gospel of Luke for our new study for a reason. One, I love the Gospels. Uh, one of the themes of my life is, is uh, you could make an acronym for, uh, you know, always be in the Gospels, whatever that is, A-B-I-T-B-G, A-B-I-T-G, always be in the Gospels, always be in the Gospels. Reading the Gospels is the life of the Christian. Uh, Roger, hey, great to see you pop in. Thanks for joining us today. So we did, when I started this Bible study five or six years ago, we did the Gospel of Mark. And then last year we finished the Gospel of John. And I chose to do the Gospel of Luke today. And when Luke is done, we'll go on into Acts because really Luke and Acts are one book in essence. I mean, they're part one and part two, the same author to the same audience and a continuation of the story. Um, but I, I, I chose Luke over Matthew because I want, to, <clears throat> I want to think that it is just such a, hi Roger, uh, it is just such a, it's such a need of ours today to rediscover the authentic gospel of Jesus Christ, the authentic preaching and teaching of the gospel. And Luke does that in the most beautiful way. It, is, it has been called one of the, the, it's been called the loveliest book in the world. Uh, the legend has it that Luke, we know he was a painter. I mean, we know he was a doctor, but legend says that he was a painter also. There's even a painting somewhere, I can't remember exactly where it is, uh, of uh, the Virgin Mary that they say was attributed to Luke, uh, which would be a fantastic thing if it was. But the way he gives details, hi, Judith, good to see you. Uh, Buddy, Pastor Buddy out in Colorado, thank you for joining us today. We're blessed to have you here. Um, <clears throat> but Luke has such vivid details 
the precision with which he writes, the Greek with which he writes, is the finest Greek in all of the New Testament. So he know, being a doctor, we know he was very scholarly. But he brings together uh, a story, and he weaves together a story that the other Gospels uh, don't, uh, don't do. All the four Gospels were chosen, of course, by the Holy Spirit for good reason. They all give us a special uh, look at the life of Christ. Uh, Luke's is particularly to the Gentile, unbelieving world. People that knew nothing about uh, the Old Testament, really. Uh, they knew nothing about this. Uh, so much of the things that Matthew writes about to, from a Jewish perspective. And, and then John's gospel, of course, comes along as a very theological gospel. And that, that's actually my favorite gospel. I said that when we were studying it. But, but Luke's a close second, a really close second. Uh, and then Mark's gospel, of course, is, is just very straightforward and, and shorter. In fact, there's a, there's a theme to each one of these gospels. And for those of you who are just joining us today, we're starting the gospel of Luke. But we're beginning with an overview. I'm going to discuss the major themes of this, uh, of this gospel and the way in which it was written. Uh, so that'll help us know what to look for as we actually next week get into chapter 1. So here's one of the things I want to point out. If you've ever been in a church that had these beautiful stained glass windows, and sometimes there's a stained glass window that says, you know, St. Luke the Evangelist or St. Mark the Evangelist or whatever. Um, and then it has a picture of uh, in a man or an eagle or a lion. or these are, these are, It's kind of confusing. What are those images and what do they mean? Those are sacred images that were given by the very earliest Christians to uh, Christian iconographers and Christian uh, painters and such to this idea of the gospel writers, a theme for who they are. Mark's gospel being the shortest, most scholars believe the first, and the most straightforward gospel is that the theme is a man. The picture in the stained glass window is a man. Because uh, it's simple and straightforward and just gets to, gets to the meat of the matter. Matthew's gospel, if you've seen that stained glass window, is a lion. And a lion, of course, represents the lion of Judah. Because Matthew is always concerned with the Jewish details of Jesus' life, pointing him as the Messiah, the King of Israel, the promised one of old. <clears throat> and then John's gospel I wonder if any of our regulars who just went through the Gospel of John remember. That would be a good thing. You could type it in right now if you remember what the image was that is the Gospel of John. And maybe some of you others just know the image. Type it in there as a response if you know it. Um, but John's is a fascinating one. John's is actually an eagle. An eagle is said to be the only animal that, are, that can look straight into the eye of the sun. To see it from, to see the whole of creation as a kind of a bird's eye view. And that's what John does with his gospel. He, he steps back uh, many years later and writes a gospel that says, here's the theology that's maybe being missed in some of these historical, more straightforward narratives. And, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing in, in and of itself. But here's where Luke is. Luke, does anybody know what Luke says? Before I give the answer, I'll let you take a guess at what Luke says. Well, I take a drink of water. Forgive me for that. Um, 
The Gospel of Luke, imaged by these sacred images, is a calf. That's right, a calf, a baby a cow or, you know, cow, cattle. A calf. Why a calf? Because a calf is an animal of sacrifice. And Luke is painting the picture of the life of Jesus Christ as the sacrifice for the whole world. We're going to see some of that in just a minute. I want to, I want to read you a quote from the uh, 20th century uh, commentator, William Barclay. Uh, William Barclay is another one of these, if you've never worked through his Bible study, daily Bible study series, it was written in the 1950s, I think. Uh, but considered scholarly one of the classic works of the 20th century. William Barclay was a minister of the Church of Scotland, uh, a great historian. He brings through all kinds of little historical details that a lot of com commentators miss um, to try and always bring perspective to what we're studying now and what it meant to them then and how we can relate to it. But here's something that Barclay noted that I thought was really good. He says, it's been said that a minister sees men at their best and a lawyer sees men at their worst. Apology to any lawyers that might be watching here. But a doctor sees men as they are. I love that. Luke is a physician and he's a doctor and he, we know that he spent a great deal of time with the Apostle Paul he was in, in the Caesarean jail with Paul, awaiting to go to Rome for a couple of years. He was in the Roman jail with Paul. We glean these things from the writings of Paul. And, and I love that thought that a doctor sees things, sees humanity for who they are and loves them for who they are. There's a God-like, Christ-like perspective. And we see that coming through in the Gospel of Luke, his love for all of humanity. I'm going to point out some of the more ways that he does that to you here um, <clears throat> in just a few minutes. Luke's Gospel is, has been called by many themes, uh, but one of the reasons it's, it's been called a historical narrative. One of the first things I want to talk to you, hi, Doyne, thanks for joining us today. Uh, one of the things that it, it is, is a historical narrative. And what do I mean by that? Luke is very good. In fact, he's excellent at dating all the different events in the life of Christ by other historical happenings, secular happenings, historical happenings. So that gives us a real picture that Luke was probably written between the years of 70 AD and 80 AD. So this is after the Apostle Paul has already been martyred. It's after Matthew and after Mark, but yet before John. And of course, as we'll learn as we get into chapter 1, it's actually, uh, there are lots of Gospels floating around out there, and Luke makes mention to that. But we know only four, and accept only four, that were inspired by the Holy Spirit, and we'll talk more about that in chapter 1. But uh, also, one of the commentaries I like to use, that is the Beacon Bible Expositions, this particular series on Luke was written by one of the uh, uh, Church of the Nazarene uh, theologians named Reuben Welch, a very good writer, a beautiful writer. But he said this, and I think this is worth listening to as we begin our uh, overview of the Gospel of Luke. <clears throat> he says, the ones to whom Luke wrote did not know the Old Testament and had probably never been to Palestine. They only knew the Gentile church and the growing influence of Rome as the center of Christianity. 
they faced the pressure of Hellenistic culture. Hellenistic means Greek culture. And they came under the civil law of Rome and probably experienced the ridicule of their associates for their adherence to the beliefs of a despised Jewish sect. So they needed the certainty, they needed the facts, and they needed the perspective. I love that thought. Luke was writing to people who probably knew nothing about uh, the Jewish faith or the Jewish religion from the Old Testament. And that's like so many of the people today, the non-Christians in our world today, uh, as some, I know some modern-day theologians like to call them pre-Christians, in anticipation of the day when they will find faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, So many of them, people, so many people in our world today, even people that are wandering into our churches, really know nothing about the Old Testament story. They know nothing about the the story of God's people through uh, the Jewish faith, and they know nothing about the Bible. They're very illiterate in many times, so in biblically illiterate. And, And so this idea of a gospel that's written beautifully telling the story of Jesus in a way that transcends uh, all of those Old Testament details and those Jewish details is really a, it's a beautiful thing for our world today and for a very uh, kind of an evangelistic outreach type of gospel. So St. Luke really does a great job at that. Um, he goes on, Reuben Welch goes on to say that Luke wrote to meet all of these needs. All the other books of the New Testament were written to be used inside the Christian church. But Luke and Acts was written to supplement the information and understanding of Gentile believers and to clarify the nature of the Christian gospel and the Christian mission to the outside world. So that's one of my goals as we go through this study of the gospel of Luke and then finally after that, Acts. One of my goals is to clarify our mission. What does it mean to be followers of Jesus Christ? And I've kind of adopted a word in my life that I got from... uh, from uh, Dr. James Bryan Smith, Jim Smith, professor at Friends University and author of one many wonderful books, The Good and Beautiful God, Good and Beautiful Life, Good and Beautiful Community, uh, was his first series. I love them so much. Highly recommend them. But I've adopted this word from him and it, he, his whole ministry there at Friends University, it's, it's, the, it's the apprenticeship ministry. I like the thought of being an apprentice, an apprentice of Jesus Christ. An apprentice, yeah, it's a disciple. A disciple means to be a learner, a student. But an apprentice means you put that craft that you're learning into action. You practice it and get good at it. And that is who we are to be as followers of Jesus. Not just forever in the classroom and forever students. Yes, we are forever student learners, but students who are active in the mission of Christ in the world. And it's never too early to put the, the, the truth of the gospel, the love of Jesus Christ into action and into the world. So hopefully as we go through this study, that'll be a theme that we'll look at. Um, and I want to, uh, to kind of continually call you back to these. I'm going to give you several different themes. looks like I have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six themes that I want to discuss for, with you today that are part of the gospel of Luke. And that we will be coming, as we study, we'll be coming back to them and looking into them. Uh, again, feel free to ask a question if you have any thoughts or make a comment on some of these things. The first one is, I've already mentioned, the idea that it's, it's a historical theme. That Luke is very historical in the way he writes. And he's very careful 
in the way he writes, to make sure that everything is put in order. Historians love that. Scholars love that. We all love that. <clears throat> but the second theme that I want to give to you is this idea that it's a gospel for the Gentiles. Um, he says in the very beginning, in chapter 1, he's writing to a most excellent Theophilus. Most excellent the Well, first of all, we know that Theophilus is a Greek name. Theos, which is the word for God, and Philos, or from Philo, which means to love. So the word Theophilus, or the name Theophilus, actually means lover of God. Now, even as far, I find this very fascinating, that even as far back as the Christian, uh, first early Christian father of Ambrose, St. Ambrose of Milan, in the late 300s, uh, I think early 4th century, somewhere in there, uh, he said this, he said, this book could even be said to be written to everyone who's a lover of God. So there probably was a historical person named uh, Theophilus, because he, he, and he's probably a very high-ranking uh, official in the Roman uh, aristocracy, because it says most excellent Theophilus, and that's a that's a read, that's a word, it's a, 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 a what's the word I'm looking for there? That's a, the way you address a salutation, yes, of a person of the high rank in the Roman world. So, most excellent Theophilus, but you could also just say most excellent lover of God. So we know Theophilus is a Gentile who has become a follower of Jesus, and he's probably been exposed to all these gospels and these the thoughts out there, because Luke will mention that in his very first, first few verses, that there's other writings out there. But I want to set in order for you, O most excellent Theophilus, very carefully what he knows to be tr the truth, and what we know the Holy Spirit inspired him to be the truth of the gospel. So, uh, lover of God, this, if you're a lover of God, this gospel is for you. Never in this book does Luke use the word rabbi, a very Jewish term. Uh, he's writing to Gentiles. He knows that they wouldn't even know what that meant. He always addresses uh, Jesus Christ when, when it would have been appropriate for the other gospel writer like Matthew to say rabbi. He uses the word uh, kyrios, which is the Greek word for Lord, master. So he's calling him a master, Lord, master. Um, also, um, he traces, here's a fascinating point that we won't, don't want to miss, and we'll see it as we get into the first chapter too. While the other birth narratives, the lineage is traced back in Matthew, it's traced all the way back to Abraham, because he wants to show Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of Abraham's seed. He is the Messiah, the promised one of Israel. But Luke takes it differently. He takes him all the way back to Adam, the very first man, the creation of God. Again, he's saying, this gospel, this man, Jesus Christ, this God-made flesh, this God-man is the savior of the entire human race, all the way back to Adam. I think that's a beautiful fact that we don't want to miss out on. Uh, another thought for you, um, <clears throat> this is a gospel of prayer a gospel of prayer. At every important moment in Jesus' life, of course, all moments are important, but at the big events of Jesus' life, like when he's at his baptism or when he's calling the 12 uh, and, and everyone, it, Luke takes time to show Jesus at prayer. 
he shows and points out that the prayer ministry is a really important part of Jesus' ministry. Hi, my friend Joy in Oklahoma. So good to have you join us. God bless you. Uh, this, this prayer of Jesus that he it, it always shows him at prayer shows that prayer was the, the warp and woof of Jesus' life. Now, warp and woof, what does that mean? That's a phrase that I use a lot because I used to be in the, when I was a young, uh, young man, I was in the textile business. I was in the clothing business. And if you think of a piece of fabric, okay, there is, it's woven with uh, fabric going this way and some this way. So one is called the warp and one is called the woof. And they weave together to make the fabric. So it's just a fun way of saying the, the fabric of our society. It's a little idiomatic expression. Uh, the, uh, the, the fabric of our society and the fabric of our being and the fabric of Jesus' being was prayer. And Luke is very careful to point that out as we go through this. You're welcome, Joy. So glad to see you. Um, so we'll be looking for those as we go along and we study. We'll always be looking for Jesus at prayer and how important that is to him. The next one, I find this fascinating. This is a, a, another theme of the gospel of Luke. Uh, hi, Valerie. Uh, the gospel of Luke is also a gospel of women. Now, that's, that's pretty bold and it's beautiful. In that day, when Jesus was writing, I mean, when Jesus was walking the earth and Luke was writing and these other gospels uh, were being written, <clears throat> Luke portrays women in a totally different way, in a much more uh, uh, present uh, aesthetic light, a, a beautiful light, a more respective light, uh, because we know that women were considered property in those days, which, which we, of course, know is wrong. But Luke's going to, you're going to see how he elevates things. He does things especially. For instance, the birth narrative is from Mary's point of view. It's important that we hear Mary's point of view. Uh, it's only in the Gospel of Luke that we find figures like Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, Anna, the prophetess, and what she has to say about Jesus uh, that we find uh, the widow of Nain, that Jesus stops to raise her son. Uh, it's, uh, let's see who else was that? The woman who anointed Jesus' feet. These are only found in the Gospel of Luke. He brings us even more vivid details to uh, the lives of Mary and Martha and Mary Magdalene. So women play a major role in the Gospel of Luke. And I think that's fascinating for us to, we'll be pointing these out as we go through the studies, fascinating for us to see. Um, <clears throat> hi, Charlie, good to see you there too. The Gospel of Praise. Luke's also called a Gospel of Praise. So we began with a, a historical gospel, gospel of history, a gospel for the Gentiles, a gospel of prayer, a gospel of women. And now we have two more to talk about this morning, a gospel of praise. It's fascinating, but the word or the phrase praising God, okay? Now, in the Greek, of course, Luke writes in the Greek, uh, and, and my Greek is horrible. I butcher it all the time, so let me pull it up here quickly on my laptop. It is the word eulogeo. Eulogeo is a praise, praising, okay? Eulogeo ton theon, which means praising God. That phrase is used in the Gospel of Luke more than all of the rest of the New Testament put together. 
Well, I've got a note here from my wife here. <laughs> what did I not say? I, I missed for you. What? Oh, I probably missed somebody. Say hello. Hello, Judy. Hey, I see Pam's Jiminy. I missed Judith on there. Pam, thank you for, for being with us today. May, there's lots of you joining in. Thank you for joining in. I'm so glad to have you with us. Um, but let me get back to my point here on this praising God. More than, yeah, more than all of the New Testament put together? Wow. That phrase, praising God, Luke's gospel is definitely a gospel of praise. And we're going to feel that. We're going to see that. This is going to become part of the rhythm. So this idea of the rhythm of prayer, the rhythm of praise, the importance of women, uh, the, the fact that it's for the whole world. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that now in my last theme of the gospel of Luke. And that is the idea that Luke is a universal gospel. Um, it, 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 is, it is this in the Gospel of Luke that we see the kingdom of heaven at hand for everyone. What do I mean by that? <clears throat> Only Luke tells us the story of the Good Samaritan. Who were Samaritans? Samaritans were, the, in a Jew's eyes, they were half-breeds. Okay? If you go all the way back into the Old Testament... And you, you would find that Samaria was once the capital of Israel, and uh, that was a very important place in the ancient kingdom. And in the first conquering, uh, the, the northern kingdom of Israel, after they'd split into Israel and Judah, northern and southern kingdoms, when they, in the northern kingdom, which, by the way, had no good kings, all the kings of the northern kingdom of Israel were bad. Judah only had two good kings. Uh, out of all their history, that's a wonderful history, just a little side note there. But when the northern kingdom was first taken, they were the first ones taken captive by the Assyrians, they, uh, they took them and, uh, of course, the people from the area of Samaria, that was part of the northern area, they were all taken captive. And over the years, they were, uh, they were uh, married into the pagans, the Assyrians, and there was a, there was a there was a race, if you will, I don't know if that's an appropriate term to use, but the Samaritans were thought to be not pure bread, not pure blood, like the Jewish people thought of themselves as God's people. Now, the Jews had really no right to claim that because they had done the same thing in many cases with the Canaanites when they first came into the land of Canaan. So everybody's a sinner, we know, and this is not, uh, it's not a, it's not a point of trying to be some pure blood or purebred. The gospel of Luke is for everyone. And the story of the Good Samaritan is one that when we study it, as we get to that part of the gospel, shows us just how much, no matter who in society, uh, no matter who it is that society may look down on, Jesus is for them. The gospel is for them. We are to love them. We are to serve them. We are to help them. That's what that story will show to us. Uh, also, the one grateful leper, remember when Jesus heals 10 lepers, there's a Luke gives us this detail that the one grateful leper who returned to thank Jesus was a Samaritan. Fascinating point. Uh, he also tells us, uh, and I really like this, in Luke chapter 13, so I'll just read this for you. I went ahead and underlined it. Um, this is, gives you that feel that this gospel is for the whole world. In Luke chapter 13, when... Um, Jesus is, has been talking about uh, uh, striving to be saved. You know, uh, he went through, that says in, in verse 22, 
and this is in chapter 13, I'm just going to give you this. I know it's out of order, but it's part of the thematic discussion we're having about the Gospel of Luke. It says, he went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And then one said to him, Lord, are there few who will be saved? And, and Jesus says to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many will say to you, many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. So Jesus is setting up this idea of the kingdom of heaven. It's a narrow gate that leads to the kingdom of heaven. And we have to strive to be saved. But I love when he gets down to the bottom uh, of that area, he says here, <clears throat> he says to, you know, many will come to me and say, didn't we do uh, wonderful miracles in your name? And he's going to say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. I mean, it, it didn't matter whether you were a, a, a priest or a pastor or a deacon or, or a, a prophet or a miracle worker or whoever you were. You, if you didn't have faith, pure faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, it, it doesn't matter. You're not getting in, he says. Uh, he says, in fact, he says, depart from me for all you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. And then the very next word, verse is the one I want to call attention to, verse 29. Because Jesus is saying, when those who were sent away, because they, they really weren't part of, of the kingdom of heaven, it says, and then he says, who's in the kingdom of heaven? Right here he says, verse 29, for they will come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first and there are first who will be last. I think it's beautiful that Jesus is careful to say that the people in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, are going to come from everywhere. The gospel of Luke is a gospel for everyone. Nobody is excluded. That's encouraging. That's something we want to keep in mind. Kim, it's great to see you join us today. Um, so we're discussing the universality of the gospel of Luke. Um, another thing, the only thing that Luke gives us is the story of the rich man and the poor man. That's in Luke 16. That's a fascinating narrative of Jesus telling a story about a rich man named, uh, <clears throat> a rich man on earth and a poor man named Lazarus. Not the Lazarus that was a good brother of Martha and Mary. But he tells this story about this. They both die and they both go uh, to the afterworld. And uh, Lexi, hey, great. Thanks for joining us today. Um, I think my camera's starting to droop here. Let me tip it up a little bit, knowing what's happening there. Um, in this, in this uh, story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 16, uh, they both go to the afterworld. They both go to Hades, the place of the dead. That's the Greek word for the place of the dead. And Brother Brock, thanks for joining us. And in Hades, uh, the, it makes it very clear to say that, uh, that the beggar who died goes to Abraham's bosom or paradise. But the rich man who treated him bad went to Hades and was in a place of torment. So we see this. That's, the, that's only told in the Gospel of Luke. That whole story is only told in the Gospel of Luke. Um, try and keep that as straight as it doesn't want to. I don't know if I can tighten it or what, but we'll try and lift it up here a little bit. Sorry about that. Okay. Good time to stop and take a drink. So... <clears throat> talking about the universality of the Gospel of Luke. 
Here's another fascinating one. In, maybe I should just turn my head this way, so it's, it's going to slant no matter what I do. Uh, in the Beatitudes that Luke lists, Matthew, of course, says we're used to hearing, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. But in uh, Luke, it's blessed are the poor. He doesn't put in spirit. Blessed are the poor, because it's seen as a gospel for everyone, especially those who are poor, especially those who are literally the underdogs in life, if you will. Um, Above all, a big theme of the gospel of Luke is that it's for everyone. We're all sinners, and it's for everyone who feels like you're an outcast. I want you to know that as you work through this gospel of Luke with me, we are going to try our best to show the gospel of Luke as I'm just enough OCD that I have to get this straight somehow. And I'm not sure how I'm going to do it. But hey, here's a little thing I can type. So, and it's probably not going to work. But um, I want you to know that as we work through this gospel of Luke, this is a gospel for everyone. This is a gospel that for all who are sinners, which we know everyone is a sinner, all who may feel outcast, you're going to feel the gospel come alive, reaching out to you as a way that draws you into the story of Jesus and to the life of Christ. A couple of other things that are only in the gospel of Luke. Uh, the story of the woman who washed his feet and then dried her with her tears and dried her, dried her feet with her hair. That's only in the gospel of Luke. Uh, Also, the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, another outcast, only in the Gospel of Luke. The story of the Pharisees and the publican, that parable of the Pharisee and the publican, you know, that's sometimes called the Pharisee and the tax collector. Uh, That's only in the Gospel of Luke. And then, of course, this one, the great parable, the prodigal son, only found in the Gospel of Luke because Luke is a story of redemption that is literally meant for the whole world to understand in a very special way. Here's a closing thought for you today. Um, I'm going to, I don't know how long we've gone today, only about 37 minutes. We went 40 minutes last week. And uh, usually in class, it tends to run an hour, but I get lots of questions in class. Um, But I'm going to, I'm going to bring you some closing thoughts here this week about the Gospel of Luke. One more that's very important, I think, is from the When we look at the scripture in the Gospel of Luke, where all four gospel writers quote the scripture in Isaiah chapter 40 that refers to John the Baptist, where it says, prepare ye the way of the Lord. All of those uh, are talking about preparing the way for the Lord as John the Baptist is that fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 40, preparing the way of the Lord. Luke is the only one that adds the actually quotes the whole verse, and he adds in at the end, hey, Pastor Darren is watching. Good to see you, Pastor Darren. Uh, Luke is the only one that adds in the last of that verse. If you look back into Isaiah 40, and it says this, it says, for all flesh shall see the salvation of the Lord. And there's that universality again. For all flesh will see the salvation of the Lord. I, I love how Luke makes sure to bring that in. I'm doing my best to make sure this camera doesn't fall on us, you guys. I know you're just out there laughing and thinking, wow, what's he doing? But uh, I'm, a, I'm a rookie at all this. I'm going to make sure that's really tight before next week. But uh, as we think about these themes, I, I want to just bring a couple of thoughts to you in closing this morning. Um, the words of an old hymn came to my heart uh, that I just have to read these words to you. And 
<clears throat> I'm going to find him here. I have him uh, on the computer. I don't know why, but as I heard this story of Jesus being the universality of the gospel of Luke, being for everyone, um, boy, that's going to just drive me nuts. I'm sorry, guys. Um, I don't know what happened to it, but apparently Satan doesn't want me to do a good job on this one, does he? Um, you know what? I might just take it and hold it by hand. Finish this out by holding it by hand. There we go. Okay. Get smart, Brad. Finally figure it out. Okay. As I was preparing for this study, and I wanted to give you a lot of background from uh, the gospel. When we're going to study next week, we'll jump right into chapter one, and you'll have some of these themes. I'm going to go ahead and post my notes. I'm going to type these notes up. I'm going to post them as a, probably as like a, a J, I'll take a JPEG of it, post it as a photo in my Facebook photos page there, and you can actually click on that photo and print it out, I think. And that'll be, you can keep that way, you can keep these notes with you for our continuing study in the Gospel of Luke. Pastor Cecil, good to see you. And Joanne in Nashville, thanks for tuning in. Love you and Tim, great to have you joining in today. Um, so be looking for those. I'll post those and put them out there and make them available so you have all these notes if you didn't, uh, if you missed some of them. I'd love for you to keep them on hand as we go through because we'll refer back to these different themes of the Gospel of Luke as we study. But as I was telling you, as I prepared this today, this, this old hymn, these words to this old hymn just came back to me. Thinking about Luke, and in his opening words, he says to, oh, most excellent Theophilus, I wanna, I wanna tell you this story. Luke's such a storyteller that I couldn't help but hear the words to this hymn come to my heart. Jacob, who's watching, thanks, Jacob. Good to have you here. Hear these words. Maybe you haven't heard them in forever. I haven't sung them in forever, and trust me, especially with a sinus infection, I'm not going to sing them to you. It's hard to read them, though. I want, I want to sing them. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know tis true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. Let me read all the verses. Verse two, I love to tell the story. More wonderful it seems than all the golden fancies of all my golden dreams. I love to tell the story it did so much for me. And that is just the reason I tell it now to thee. I love to tell the story. Tis pleasant to repeat what seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word. And the final verse, verse four, I love to tell the story for those who know it best, seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And when in scenes of glory, I sing the new, new song, twill be the old, old story that I have loved so long. And then there's the refrain, of course, after every verse. I love to tell the story. T'will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. That's what Luke was doing. Luke was telling an old, old story. It, it, you know, it was 20, 30, 40 years old by the time he wrote it. And he wrote it very carefully, very precisely, because he knew there were other stories out there that weren't telling it correctly.
And he knew there were others that were good, like Mark and Matthew. Sandy, thanks for joining us today. He knew that Mark and Matthew, they got the story right, but there just were some details that didn't fit for this whole world of new Gentile believing Christians. And so the gospel of Luke comes to us as the old, old story. For those of you who are on this broadcast and will be following this gospel that are, that are actually, you, you've been Christians all your life or you've been in the church for a long, long time and you remember that old hymn too, you know that this story, the more you hear it, the sweeter it gets. We never tire of the story of Jesus. And that's why I said in the beginning, one of the themes of my life is always be in the Gospels. Always be reading the Gospels. They always be preaching in the Gospels. Always, one, of the, one of the things that drives me nuts is not enough preachers today preaching the Gospels. And those of you who are pastors, I don't mean to offend you because you're probably doing it. You're great guys. I just really, really believe we need to hear the Gospel stories more and more. Um, and that, that's the life of Christ. That's where we want to be walking. That's where we want to be an apprentice of Jesus by following um, I've got a note here that Jacob wrote a note. Luke is my favorite exactly because his doctor's view. Facts are important. Accuracy is important. Exact information. Let me see more. If it'll let me. Exact information is important. That's so good, Jacob. You're absolutely right. Luke's details are so important. And, and you know, that's, there's the heart of the doctor. You know, if a doctor misses something, you know, they're not going to quickly look at your chart. They, they need to know exactly what's going on in your life if they're going to bring healing to you. And Luke's gospel brings healing to a Gentile world, the message of healing to a Gentile world, precisely because as a doctor, he could look at all the details of the story and get them down on paper by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine he spent a couple of years in jail with the apostle Paul, the one who wrote most of all in the, in the New Testament, and, and he, all that time, he heard this. I mean, what an amazing education Luke got by spending time with the Apostle Paul. Tim Wangberg, thank you so much for watching. Hey, guys, that's, I'm, I'm going to wrap up here now. Uh, and if you just joined in, I want, this, will be re, this is recorded so you can catch it later and listen to the whole thing. I'm going to try and be here every week at 11 o'clock on Thursdays to, uh, to give this Bible study. We're just beginning the Gospel of Luke. And I'm just excited to have you all join us. I do podcast them. So I'm doing an audio recording now. The podcast is found either on my website, bradreillyministries.org, or you can go to the website, formingthespiritwithin.org. And that's the name of the podcast, Forming the Spirit Within. I try and podcast all of my lectures and teaching and classes and Bible studies. So go there and you can find some past ones and look them up. But also, I want, to, uh, I want to just thank you again for taking time today to spend some time with me as we consider what the Gospel of Luke is all about, and we're just so anxious to dive in next week. Before we close, I, I want to say a special prayer. I always pray, for those of you who missed the beginning, I'll also post, uh, like I do my notes, that prayer that I used in the beginning. It's a prayer for the study before Scripture uh, of St. John Chrysostom. And, or it's adapted from that. I adapted it from that. I'll post that so that you can have that with you each week to pray before we study. And if you want to send me an email, I'll just send you a direct link to my email card. You can print it out. Um, and, and also, I, I always like to close in prayer. You know, we asked God to, to 
to be the light of our souls and our minds and our bodies, to open our hearts, to really hear his gospel teachings. That's what that prayer said in the beginning. And so right now I want to stop and pray especially. Uh, and I want to mention just a few people that are on my heart. Um, you know, my dear friend Joy, who is uh, in watching today. Joy, we love you. Joy, uh, we lost her dear son. Uh, no mother should have to lose her son. And, and she lost her son, Cody, whom I had the gift of marrying him and his his dear wife back 12 years ago. And, and Cody's listening to this. Cody's listening to this from heaven today. He's talking to Luke about this, you know. Isn't that amazing to think about? Uh, so thank you, Joy, for being a part of this today. And for all of you, I know there's many struggles out there. Many people are struggling. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm looking for work, you know. I'm a, <laughs> hey, uh, you know, and, uh, depending on what kind of work I find to do bivocationally, I may not be able to do this at 11 o'clock on Thursdays, but I will do it sometime. So just know that I will make sure the Bible study continues. Maybe just not at 11 on Thursdays, but uh, for you too. I know there's others out of work. A lot of people are out of work in this time, and this is seemingly an impossible time to try and find work. But you know what? God is with us, and we have the old, old story of Jesus to meet every need. He's promised to always be with us, to, to never forsake us. So as we uh, close this time today in prayer, uh, know that I'm praying for you specifically. If you asked a question on here that I missed or made a comment, I'll, I'll get to it on the uh, post a little bit later. Thank you again, uh, all my friends, for joining me. And if you know somebody else, you, you want to, this is a verse-by-verse -verse Bible study. Today was an overview. Next week, don't, it's getting it for the long haul because it'll take us a couple of years to do the Gospel of Luke, I'm guessing. Um, but we're going to find so many nuggets in the story uh, that it's it's just so important to to take time in, in the Bible study. So anyway, God bless you. Thank you for joining. Would you pray with me as, as we close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for each person on this, on this live broadcast right now and each one who will ever watch it. Father God, help them to see in this overview of the Gospel of Luke the beauty of a gospel that reaches out in prayer and praise to the lonely and to the outcast and to the to the, the whole world, no matter who they are, a gospel for everyone. Jesus Christ for the life of the world. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for each of these. I pray for joy. God bless her. Fill her life with your beautiful Holy Spirit and knowing that you are with her in this tough time of grief. And for all, I, I think of my friends, the Hefners, who just lost uh, Bonnie Hefner uh, today, This, I mean this week, just the other day. Oh God, in this difficult, what a difficult time for loss and uh, not being able to gather and to just hug one another and to celebrate, uh, celebrate our loved ones' lives. Father God, bless the Hefner family as you bless Joy and her family uh, with a special measure of your Holy Spirit. Bless us all, O oh Lord. And, and if you want to just, Lord God, just be with us in a very special way through these times of Bible study. May your word truly come alive to us. We ask this in the strong name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you, Father, and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever, and unto the ages of ages. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with me today, and, and uh, thank you for step, stopping by. Uh, those of you who got in late, take a listen to the whole broadcast and uh, on the video. And join us again next week. Right now we're set for 11 o'clock next Thursday. And I'll have that tripod thing figured out so it doesn't keep drooping. As I apologize about that. Just Those kind of things just drive me nuts. But uh, 
Sorry, my hand is not particularly steady here, trying to hold it the last few minutes. But God bless you all. Thank you for joining. I look forward to seeing you more. And feel free to ask a question anytime. Make some notes. Ask questions on Brad Riley Ministries' uh, Facebook page, and I'll look forward to reading them, and we can keep the dialogue going. God bless you. Bye-bye now. Well, that's all we have time for today, and I want to thank you again for listening in. I hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. While you're here, why not take a moment to add a comment or perhaps ask a question? You know, Forming the Spirit Within is a listener-supported ministry, and I really appreciate your feedback and your support. If you'd like more information on how to be a part of this ministry, you can find it online at bradreillyministries.org. Again, thanks for listening and spending the time with us today, and may the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you as He forms His Spirit within you.